Hey, welcome to the second season, fifth episode of Crypto with English. And on today's episode, we're going to focus on Web3 and the experience of women leaders making a presence, creating a voice, and becoming essentially a force uh, in of themselves in this space. What are the successes? And let's say, what are, let's say, some of the burdens to, and obstacles to be faced, let's say, from the Web2 era or just kind of traditionally where the workforce within tech kind of is? What type of barriers still exist? And like I said, what successes have also been realized as well? So I'd like to warmly welcome to all of you uh, Lynn Marler. So she's the co-founder of the Women in Digital Assets Forum, and she's the chair of the Boston Blockchain Association. And she has been doing a lot of advocacy. She has been participating, speaking at conferences. And she has an overhead view, both firsthand and you could say observationally, of what is going on and how can women make their mark in this space. So, Lynn, thank you very much for coming on to the show today. Well, Adam, thank you so much. You know, I've been watching you for a long time. We, I think, have been in this industry. I know I've sort of been down the blockchain rabbit hole, as they say, since about 2017, 2018. And um, I do come from traditional finance. And, um, you know, the uh, the company, so, so I am chair of Boston Blockchain. Through that process, I met a company called Tab Forum, Tab Group. Um, I was approached by the CEO to do something. He said, you know, we, we should do something. And I said, well, you know, the thing that's near and dear to my heart um, is women in this space. I come and there were a lot of obstacles early on, right, in my career. I spent over 30 years, you know, I, my last 16 years were on Wall Street. And, you know, what, what, what has transpired is a lot of change but we still have more room to grow, right? And, you know, we all come, even women and myself come with biases uh, and, and, you know, we need to just become aware of what some of those biases are and how do we, how do we start to shift that? You know, women still make 14% of what a male makes. Uh, women also get very railroaded if they have children, that kind of, right. um, just the, the act of, you know, having a child uh, sort of sets you back a little bit. Um, so women in digital assets was really kind of a lark and a dream. And it was, you know, we had an inaugural event last Tuesday in Stanford, Connecticut, which was sort of between Boston and New York, which I thought was a good, I have a you know big network in New York, but also in Boston. Um, you know, it's really a step forward in our collective journey. And by that, I mean, men, women, allies, you know, everyone, the, the underserved, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, et cetera, to empowerment, equality, and innovation in the space. And I think that, you know, the vision I have is how do we create an inclusive and equitable environment for women um, to thrive, contribute, and excel. And we want women to have support. You know, this isn't really a support group, but, you know, one of the things that the women said last week was, hey, 85% of the audience for this Women in Digital Assets was women. And, you know, I got to sit next to someone who's doing something like I'm doing or who is talking this language that is right, you know, right next to me. And we're two women talking about how we want to grow, how we're advancing this technology. And, you know, I think these, you know, 
we want to support women who want provide resources and networks, et cetera, and a community to be trailblazers, leaders, and, you know, catalysts for change. And I think it can happen. You know, people call me a tra trailblazer. And I think that, um, you know, we, we, women may not ask for what they want. Women may also not, um, you know, sometimes don't feel that they, if there are five skill sets, they don't have all five and they, they won't bid on a job, let's say. Uh, but I, I think those are some of the things we want to change. We also want to change things like why did 97% of all VC money go to men, sure. right? Women get 3%. And that's a, that's a big issue. But also I think one of the things that we're struggling with is how do we, what are, what are the words that, you know, we're all using to treat perhaps our daughters differently than our sons, you know, taking risks, right? Uh, you know, it's okay to, to fall down and get back up, right? Or, um, you know, just some of the things I think that we don't necessarily uh, train girls for, um, how do we change it, whether that's STEM, et cetera. So sort of that's my vision and mission now. I think um, I will be, you know, I've been chair of Boston Blockchain for two years, and that was a two-year commitment. And so I'll still stay involved, very involved, but um, I will be moving on to do this. And it's just a new chapter, which I'm super excited about. Right. And I think it's more than fair to say you are a trailblazer in this space and your initiatives, your projects are trailblazing. So I would imagine with your work and these events, many of the you know, members of the audience or, or participants are women and they look at you as somewhat of a mentor. So I'm very curious when, let's say, uh, women professionals go up to you, what is the most you could say common ripe or complaint like if you could sum it up in one or two sentences what is the most you could say like i said common observational gripe or complaint that let's say they disclose to you that they're that they're facing it could be either like a, a comment uh that has been said to them it could be a experience it could be um even you could also say a type of perceptual kind of feeling let's say either walking into a boardroom or something like that I would say that most of the women <clears throat> um, are really looking for women to uh, support them. So, right. you know, how do women encourage and support each other? Um, you know, the environment I grew up in, I was often the only woman in the room. Right. Right. I didn't have a support system. And um you know, I probably was a tomboy growing up, which was great, right? So I, I'm very comfortable around men. And sure. But uh, I think a lot of women feel like I didn't get the support from other women that I needed. And I think if there was one thing, you know, and, and this really has a cascading effect. You know, I look at uh, women who have, who have made money right, who have, you know, Sally Krawchak, right, one of the best paid women on right. Wall Street, need to support other women financially. So we need to invest in women. We need to help women overcome uh, maybe, you know, just how do they pitch? I mean, this is something someone approached me last week. I'm pitching to a VC firm is what she said. She's a woman-owned business in financial services I need to be critiqued. I need to have a team of women, you know, and sure. maybe men, right? To tell me, say this, don't say that. Show this, don't show that. Do, you know, what do I need to do 
to, to get the money. Right. Um, so I think it's really, I look at it, how do women, the biggest issue I think is women supporting and, and empowering other women. That's because it's everywhere. You know, it's, um, it starts with a checkbook, you know, and it, it goes from there. Um, you know, if women ask me, I have a, a I often say this uh, to, to many women, and I work with a lot of young women and young men, you know, if, if I have to go knock on your door to pull you out to learn about blockchain or right. crypto, or whatever, it's, it's not worth it to me. But if you knock on my door and say, I need some advice or help, I'm willing to help hand out and help you. And I think that's, if there was anything that I could really instill, I think that's what we want. How do we, you know, my, my career's over. Like, I don't need to go work for, you know, JP Morgan Goldman. I don't need it. I had it, right? Right. Now my mission is really how do we help other women, you know, um, really uh, grow, you know, experience leadership. How do we help them, empower them and help them? And that's, I think, really what this vision and mission is, is, let's network, let's help each other. Um, I think men grow up and this is, you know, sort of an overgeneralization, but, you know, sports is a very good example, you know, from a very young age, boys are very encouraged to play sports. Girls, you know, you want, you know, I want you to get the A in the class, right? You know, sure. they, you know, um, sports are such a great learning environment for teamwork. You know, no one, no one can do anything on their own, right? You really need- right a system that helps you need people. And so how do you get along with people? You know, I often meet people who are CEOs and and they start their own company. And I think, gosh, they could never have worked in the environment I worked in because, you know, I don't always get what I want. And I may not always like the people that I'm working with, but I have to get along with them. And I have to find a common ground that we agree we're going to move forward in this way. I might not get 100% of what I want. You don't get 100% of what you want, sure. but we compromise and we work together to build something. And I think um, not, you know, I think it's changing. Don't don't get me wrong. We've come a long way, but, you know, there was an old saying with Virginia Slim Cigarettes, you know, we've come a long way, baby, but not that far along, right? We still right. have more to go. Yeah. So um, I, I think, you know, continue the work to, to continue to foster and empower women and, help and network and create a community where they feel safe saying, you know, what, you know, I went to a boardroom and, you know, whatever, whatever happened. Right. Right. And I have a question because this anecdote was shared with me. So this was on a much older episode. I had another guest on and she had a very similar career trajectory as you. She started off in, you know, wall street investment banking and, you know, listen, climbed up in her career and, to sum it up, she described the experience almost in two camps, where you do have other women who are supportive, and then there are other women who are actually quite adversarial. Um, and, and she kind of likened it as, well, they already got into the club, so they don't want, you know, let's say another woman, or they don't want to help another woman do the do the same thing. And she actually described her experience mm-hmm. as kind of like that. So I'm wondering. In your career, did you face that too? Where, like I said, you have one camp who are, you know, you know, definitely allies. But then I guess you could say you have the other ones where, let's say, it's like, well, I got mine, so I don't want, let's say, anybody else, you know, encroaching onto, let's say, that territory. 
Adam, I wish I didn't have to say this, but you know, that's very true. Of course, early, I would say earlier in my career, um, that was, uh, that was an experience that I experienced. Um, you know, I was brought up by an entrepreneurial father. And so, you know, it's like, okay, you fall on your face, you get back up. Like, you know, I did not, um, you know, I didn't let it deter me, but I will say it, it made you uh, not bond with the other women, mm. right? So you did not, in a sense, support the other women because you were almost, you were competing against each other. And so if you, if you, you know, I had friends outside of my division or my department, right, in, in the bank, because oftentimes it was, um, yeah, th there's, you know, one person who's getting there. And you have to, so it was extremely competitive. Um, you really had to keep your, I think your wits about you in a sense, and um, just, you know, head down, just do what you're doing. Um, that's what I want to change. You know, right. Adam, there were, we, we, we don't want to continue that experience. And I do think it's gotten much better, absolutely much, much better. Right. And that's what I want to foster here is how can I help these other women? And it may be, uh, you know, whether it's advice or, you know, how do, how do we help them uh, not experience that? How do we all become happy that you are, you know, that you're, you're uh, going up the ranks or, you know, that you got the VC money? How do we help and support? But we really need to be there to do it. We can't just call it lip service, you know? Right. Um, and I think we're, we are changing. Don't, don't get me wrong, but we have more work to do. Um, right. And, uh, thank you for, for sharing those points. So dovetailing off of that, you know, as we are in 2023 and, you know, I think decentralized technologies, web three has now become a much larger presence in discussion, you know, among tech mm -hmm. and among industry. So in your opinion, why do you, or why do you perceive, or why is it that let's say a lot of the biases from, you could say, either, you know, traditional Wall Street finance and even tech are still here. And listen, there is, you know, there are a lot of numbers that will back the fact that, listen, nine out of 10, you know, VCs, you know, the ones that, you know, listen, the ones that receive the money, the ones that receive the resources, they're either, let's say, majority male or almost entirely, you know, male, you know, male led projects. So, you know, I think ideally we'd like to think that a lot of these things have been resolved. You know, over time, but clearly that's not the case. Right. So your thoughts on that? Well, I think that there are, you know, uh, a couple of things, you know, um, women, you know, approach something very differently. So I've had men and women work for me, right? And, and work with me. But, you know, I was mentioning this to a friend last week at the event that, you know, there's an, if there's a new opportunity, Right. You see a new job that you want to bid on or whatever. Um, and, and I don't like where does this come from? I don't know. And that's what I really want to explore is why do you know men would say, hey, here's five skill set. I got three. I'm perfect for the job. Women, on the other hand, say, hey, here's a job I'd love to do. But I only I only have three of the skill sets. Right. I'm not you know, I'm not fully competent. Right. And I think what we want to start saying is, look, there's nothing 
There is absolutely nothing that you have started in your life, whether it's first grade, motherhood, you know, college, whatever. You didn't have all the facts, right? You're walking into first grade, you know, you got the, you got to take the bus. I mean, there's the unknown. And I think, I think, um, you know, that I look at as a risk, right? Oh my gosh, the risk. Um, you know, in fact, in the women in digital assets, there were a couple women that I wanted to join me in this journey when I got approached to start a company. Um, the women I asked didn't want to take a risk. And I understand, you know, financial risk, right. Uh, you know, emotional risk, uh, personal, you know, all the details of what the risk would entail. Um, but they weren't willing to take the risk. And I think, um, you know, if there's one thing that my father taught me is take the risk. Right. What's the worst that could happen? So it falls apart. So, you know, maybe you owe somebody some money. I mean, you know, big deal. Right. I mean, he definitely encouraged me to, uh, take risks, whatever those were, right. uh, but, but in a, a, you know, calculated way, don't take a stupid, you know, right. evaluate the risks and figure it out. So I think the, the two things I would say is women, um, you know, need to overcome the fact that I, I, I don't know all of the job or whatever to go to the next level. No one does. You're never going to have that. Um, and then I think taking risks that you feel are somewhat calculated that, that you can, assess a risk of what's the worst that could happen. You know, you do this in banking, right? right. My whole career was based risk management. So assess the risk. And, and, you know, for, for us, it was a financial risk. And that was, I think for, for the couple of women that I approached who I wanted to join me, it was a financial risk they weren't willing to take. Now, I think there are times in our lives always that we may not be able to take those financial risks. However, um, I think taking those risks, going out on a limb and even saying, hey, if the whole thing fails, you know, I'll still I'll still have a roof over my head. Right. I still right. Uh, I will still have, you know, friends, <laughs> you know, I'll still survive. Right. Um, so I think those are some of the messages that we really need to instill in, in young girls is, you know, you never have uh, all the facts. And in fact, I think my first business case in in graduate school was you, you have 80 percent of the facts. Right. Do you lend the guy money? Right. Yeah. You, you do your analysis. You're like, whoa, you know, I, I mean, he's probably not the best investment, but, um, you know, you you never. And I think that was one of the most valuable lessons I learned in business school and in banking is you never have all the facts. I mean, who would have ever known that COVID would hit? You could right. never. Right. Right. I mean, never in your wildest dreams would you say that, you know, three weeks from today, the whole world is shut down yeah. like that. You couldn't have planned for that. The banks had planned, you know, maybe a two week COVID thing. Sure. Right. A two week pandemic. No one planned for that. So you never have all the facts and you never know what's going to happen. I think um, so. I think those are the couple things that really resonate with me. Very interesting. And, you know, going a little bit off of what you mentioned earlier, let's say approaching, you know, let's say other, you know, women, uh, women executives, entrepreneurs. In your experience, when setting up the Women in Digital Assets Forum, have any, you could say, women, let's say, rejected participating in this based on, let's say, worries about reputation, being perceived as disagreeable, 
or adversarial because effectively what you are doing is advocacy. And, you know, by the way, advocacy for, you know, a very, very, you know, a good thing to resolve very important issues. But, you know, I, you know, like I said, maybe going back to the anecdote um, that we that we kind of unpacked, did you ever get pushback or you could almost say critique? I'm like, you know, from others where it's like, Lynn, you know, I don't know. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to burn bridges with people, even though let's say that's not likely the case. But did you get that kind of you could almost say feedback, you know, let's say if there's somebody who didn't want to participate or even ha or have their name associated? You know, it's funny. I um, I would say no. Okay. Uh, but you bring to mind there was one person at a company who was not um, who who was uh, who was not uh, they they were actually from overseas, okay. right? So Europe, uh, Eurasia, whatever. And um, the only thing that they said is this: women and their allies, or women. And I said, well, it's women and their allies, right? Because guys have to listen, guys have to hear this too. Like this isn't, sure. yes, you know, we want to hold hands and sing kumbaya. Guys have to listen to this too, because um, I had a very interesting comment from one of my dear friends. Um, so I got one pushback basically, but one of my friends said, he came Tuesday and he said, you know, I went home that night and I went, I had dinner with my wife is what he said. And he said, I asked her, he has two boys and a son, a daughter. And he said, do you think that I treated our daughter different? You know, did I do anything different with her than I did with the boys? Did I say different things like, Oh, be careful. You know, what did I say to, you know, did I do anything like that? And, and, you know, the wife said something to the effect that, you know, yeah, in a way, you know, you kind of protected her more. Now we all have those, right? Sure. I mean, if you have children, you want to protect your children, et cetera. But, you know, the wife was like, well, you know, you, you kind of did a few things, you know, the son, you'd say, oh, go play on the rocks. Sure. Like you need to right. go, go play on the rock and little girl. Oh no, no, no. Let me hold your hand while you play on the rocks. You know, and he said, it was kind of a wake up call for me that I thought I was like, you know, the, um, you know, uh, a new man, you know, I thought I, I thought I got all this, but I realized that, you know, I did do some of these things and I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that we need to be aware that those messages, right. Send to a young girl. Don't take that risk. You, know, you might you fall. He's <laughs> You know, you're going to fall in life, fall, right. you know? Um, so I thought that was really interesting from, from a guy that, that when you look back and you think about it, you know, we all believe me, I did the same, you know, I did, I'm guilty too. We're all somewhat guilty, but we need to just start to be aware of what that does, right. To, as kids grow up, what that does and how that affects you in the business world that you aren't maybe willing to take the risk that you could or, right. or might want to, but afraid of. Right. And I think those are certainly excellent points you've, you know, you've, you've raised there. And as far as advice you could impart for women executives, women looking to create a career, 
within Web3, what are some general, you could say, uh, quips, advice that you would impart? If let's say somebody, let's say if a, you know, like I said, if a woman participant in, in let's say, one of your events, conferences came up to you. So like, what would be like among the first things you would say? So, you know, in this space, I think that the beauty of this space is it's changing so rapidly. So I would, you know, you have to stay as much as possible on top of it. So every day, and I have been guilty of not doing this for the last month or two, but, you know, during COVID, I did every day I took a podcast. Yours, somebody else's. I could be riding my bike. I could be skiing. I could be walking. I could be whatever. I listened to a podcast about this technology, Web3, what, the terminal, you know, immerse myself. So education is absolutely, and you don't have to go to, you know, $10,000 program, sure. right? You can do this. There's podcasts. There's on, I mean, it's YouTube, right? right. So I would say education is really key because you can become you know, uh, pretty quickly, uh, better, you know, 90% better than the average population in knowing about this technology by watching YouTubes in a sense or podcasts. Right. The other, I would say, and, uh, this is on my website, the WIDAF, it's called WIDAF web, WIDAF.co website, but, um, you know, ask for what you need. So when I, in 2003, I was approached to, uh, for a job, at Bank of New York Mellon. Okay. And it was for, it was Bank of New York. It wasn't quite Bank of New York Mellon. They hadn't merged yet. And at the time I could not move. I had a kids in uh, school. Uh, My husband was traveling a lot. I just said, I can't move to New York. Right. But I will, you know, if I could have like Mondays and Fridays work from home and Tuesday, I will go anywhere in the world you want. Right. But I need to like set the week off. Uh, And then I'd like to pick my kids up at like three o'clock on a Friday. I don't care where I go in between and what I, where you send me and what I do, but I really need, this as my base. Well, so I was lucky because the, the guy who became my boss, uh, I said, I need to work from home. And he said, Lynn, no one, like I can match your, the bonus that I was leaving. I can increase your salary X I cannot do this. We don't do, no one works from home. This is 2003. No one works from home. And I said, guess what? I have a good job. I was working with JP Moore. I, you know, right. You know, right now I can't make this shift. I said, stay in touch. Maybe in a year or two. I don't, you know, anyway. And if you have kids, you know, if they're happy, it's really hard to move them from, you know, I just didn't want to take the risk. Um, Three months later, I got a phone call from this guy who was my boss. And he said, I got it. And he actually got me to work from home and the, the myriad of, of uh, structures set up for me to do it. I mean, just ironically enough, they had a desk in New York with a phone locked in a, in a, in a, in a desk with a number, two on two number that came into my home. Wow. I mean, (laughs) you know, so ask for it. You know what? I mean, if you have a job and they sit, the job has, Oh, it's travel 90% or it's, you know, based out of the UK, you know, is there something, can I ask, Right. ask for what you need? I mean, listen, if people want you, if you're good and you, this is the right place for you, listen, as a manager hiring people, I mean, if I wanted somebody and they said, I need, you know, Fridays off, 
I did that for people who worked for me. I managed to find a way to make this work. I had a woman who had three kids. She said, I can't work. We, we worked out a way. I did not want to lose her. She was probably one of the best employees I've ever had, right? And, and I knew 5.30 in the morning, she'd be sending me emails. I knew it, whether she was working or not. Are you kidding? I got, you know, like, no, it was a, I gave her the space she needed to, to be the person that she needed, right? To be the mother, to be that, right. you know, the food, you know, getting the food, doing all this stuff. And her husband worked nights. I mean, it was challenging. Sure. I found a way to make it work. And I think that's, you know, ask for what you need because you might find, you might get, you know, what, what, you know, you might get, you know, you might not get everything, right. But you do get what you need. And people who are really interested in you uh, will find a way to make it work within reason. Right? right. So there you go. That's, I would say, um, you know, I think those are the things, uh, you know, be curious, get educated and then um, ask for what you need. Very well put. And as somebody like, as somebody who is a wall street executive and you've probably managed countless people throughout your career, what are, you could say the general work styles of men and women and what can they learn from each other? You know, especially now in Web3 where, listen, this is, the, this is the forefront of where technology is going to be progressing, expanding, and, and changing society in real time. Well, I don't think there's a lot of variation. You know, somebody who, um, in terms of like a work ethic, you know, if you have it kind of, you know, some people have it, some people don't, right? Um, I think the thing that, uh, and this is not, you know, man versus woman, this is you being curious, right? Being curious. If you're curious about the technology and Web3, um, you know, like go, go learn about it, right? Be curious. And I think one of the things that we say about this Women in Digital Asset Forum, one of the phrases we use was, you know, come curious and be inspired, right? I, you may not want to be CEO or CFO or whatever, but you know what? Don't, don't wonder why in 10 years or five years, they want me to have a digital identity, my state. Sure. I want to understand what does that mean? Who, okay, I have a digital identity. Do you get to see my social security number? Do you get to know where I live? What does that all mean? What does that entitle me to? You know, is that my passport kind of? And, and if, if, if you're a government agency, what do you get to see? You know, I mean, we, we, we need to understand how the technology will impact all of us and we're all learning. And so for me, I'm curious. You know, well, I worked on a project with a couple of the folks at the Boston Blockchain for the state of Rhode Island for a digital identity. They created an RFP and we, I learned so much like, okay, there's a, there's some information that goes into this, you know, data lake, as you call it, right? That no one can see, which is great, but it's almost like a verifiable check, you know, as an example, Lynn lives in this state, can register a right. car in this state. You don't have to know if you work at the registry of motor vehicles, you don't have to know what street I live on, my social, my bank account. Today, a lot of things require me to put that in. Right. Well, why should you, if you work at the registry, have that information? You shouldn't, That right? right. So 
all you should know is, you know what? She's eligible to register a car in this state. That's all you need to know. Can she do this? And um, that way, my personal data is really not shared where that's not true today. A lot of my personal information is out there for everybody to see. So I think, in, in fact, when people ask me for my social security number, I just, you know, I lose it. So don't ask me for my. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. And, yeah. you know, thanks for unpacking that and explaining that. And, you know, moving on to a uh, slightly different topic. Talk about your talk about the event and interaction with uh, Mr. Scaramucci. Uh, I saw that <laughs> trending on LinkedIn and elsewhere. And uh, I think uh, I think it would be a great opportunity to uh, discuss that. Uh, you know, certainly, I would say this is a very significant event. Well, so when we were uh, pulling together the Women in Digital Asset, we had several corporate sponsors, institutional sponsors, and uh, speakers. And we, uh, because um, I've known Anthony for several years now, his company was a client of mine. Um, and long story short, he has spoken for Boston Blockchain uh, about his book. Uh, he's talked about his you know, FTX debacle, et cetera. So I approached him and asked him if he could speak at Women in Digital Assets last Tuesday in Stanford. And he said, I'm in London and I can't do it. I can't change it. Right. Um, and I said, well, would you be willing to do sort of a, a teaser and, you know, share with us your views of, you know, successful women that you've known? I mean, you know, lots of successful women. And so we did a, um, and it's, it's certainly out there, it's on tab forum, but it's out there if you Google Anthony or you Google me or whatever, you can find it. Um, or you link in with me, it's, it's out there. Um, but Anthony had some incredible tidbits and uh, some of the, you know, what he basically said is, look, there isn't much difference. I, he knew there is a difference from VC funding, but he said, women who are leaders, women who are successful, um, have the same characteristics that a successful man has. It's grit, it's resilience. And one of the things he talked about very deeply, and I think we understand why, is you know, getting up from a fall. Sure. Right. He said last year was very challenging. And he mentioned Kathy Woods. And he said, you know, Kathy uh, has worked for several institutions. She went out on her own to start, you know, ARC Investments, right? And, uh, you know, she's over 50. I'm sure she recognized that. But he said, you know, a lot of women who are over 50 have had the experience. They're willing to take the risks, et cetera. And they can, right? Maybe right. their kids are grown or whatever, so they don't have, you know, college debt or whatever. They can take those risks. But he said they get up from a fall, the resilience. And so he talked about him uh, last year. You know, it was a very tough year for him. And that, you know, you got to pick yourself up and start all over again. And he mentioned one of his um, mentors, Harvey McKay. Harvey's written several books, but the one that he talked about most was um, Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And one of the things he talked about deeply was networking. Like, you know, I don't know where this podcast is going. You don't know where this podcast is going. You don't know. And, he, you know, you don't know where your next customer, client sure opportunity is coming from. And he mentioned a story um, that he used to have breakfast at uh, the Harvard Club in New York because he went to Harvard. And he said, you know, people want to go there. So I used to have breakfast there four days a week. And there was a waiter who waited on him four mornings a week. 
And one day the waiter came to him, if you can imagine this, and said, you know, can I have a minute, Mr. Scaramucci? He said, my family, uh, there was some kind of accident. My family uh, won a court case for $40 million. All right, no, no, you know, right. no chump change. And said, I hear you talking all the time every morning about investments. And I was wondering if you would manage this money for me because we don't know anybody in this, you know. And Anthony said at the time he, I think, was working. Um, he sold his business to Newberger Berman. And I think it was at that time either he was leaving, but he couldn't solicit business for like a year. You know, there's a lot of those sort of contracts where right. you can't do that. And he was in that period, so he couldn't take the money. He said, uh, you know, ah, but um, called one of his friends or colleagues and said, hey, you know, this guy's got 40 million. You know, would you manage it for him? I can't take it because I'm under contract. I can't solicit business at the moment. His friend got that, you know, $40 million handed to him. Right. And he said, however, you know, I, I got more than my 40 million worth because my friend who I gave that opportunity to was just starting out and it really catapulted him, you know, $40 million catapulted his business. And do you know when, when I started Skybridge and when I started the SALT conference, who do you think was my first person to come to the, to come to, you know, come with me? My friend. So, you know, I think the message was network, 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 help people, you know, help other people get what they need, right? He was helping right. this waiter. He was helping his friend. And in, it will come back to you, right? So I thought, and, and you know, being curious, being aware that there are these opportunities. And, and I thought that was like the, the sum of the perfect answer. You know, it's networking, it's helping other people get what they need and, and it will come back to you. And, um, I think that his message was incredible. And I, I really would um, encourage your, your listeners to go listen to it because he's, uh, he's funny, you know, he's entertaining uh, and he, um, he's sort of self-deprecating and transparent. And I thought it was, um, you know, it was a great luxury for me to be able to do that. And I do think he'll be a speaker for one of our upcoming events, but um, so very excited about that. Wonderful. And, you know, speaking of uh, upcoming events, uh, what's on the roster this year as far as summits, conferences, talks? You know, if you can kind of give, you know, I guess um, the audience a little bit of a sneak peek as uh, what's going on. Okay. Up. So we, um, yeah, so we've been approached by a law firm in New York City. I won't mention them yet because right. it's not baked. It's not fully baked. We're going to work on it this week. But um, in September to do a uh, what I call sort of a, a small dinner, if you will, uh, for women in this space, C-suite women. We haven't completely designed it, but men will be invited, of course, uh, but at their offices and um, they will host it. Um, but to have some of these discussions, you know, how do we get VC funding? How do we change the shift the paradigm? And, and some of these just say, what can we do? Um, and as part of that, we want to create resources, whether they're papers, you know, uh, they could be, you know, blockchain papers, Web3 papers, ARVR paper, you know, what are, how do we get some of those resources available for women on, say, our website? Um, and who are the people in this industry who are leading some of the charges? So some of the women lawyers who are doing this work, you know, whether it's Wilkie Farr or Nelson Mullins or, you know, a 
myriad of law firms, right? Who are the digital exchanges that are empowering women, but also changing this, this you know, to a digital asset, a new ecosystem? Um, so that's September. Um, October, uh, I'll be speaking at Money 2020. Um, so there's some stuff that's in Las Vegas. And then in November, we are, uh, I'm actually working on this week, we are going to be hosting a Women in Digital Asset event around uh, Digital Asset Week, which I believe is November 14th or 22nd, one of those weeks. And we are coordinating right now with LMAX Digital to, they want to be our key sponsor for that. And we have a meeting on Wednesday to discuss it. And so we just have to pick a date and kind of get that lined up. But those are the three things. And then 2024, first quarter, we've invited, we've been invited to Silicon Valley, a dear friend of mine and a mentor, a very successful businessman has invited us to Silicon Valley to do an event, maybe a VC type event um, where women, you know, can talk about what they're building uh, et cetera. So, so those are the, those are the things that um, are on the short-term horizon. Well, I got to say that definitely sounds like a very exciting year. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, beginning of next year as, as well. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, hearing more about it, especially, I guess, when all the, when all the details and everything's been, you know, uh, hammered out. So, you know, as, uh, you know, as one, you know, goes about this. So you've, you've spoken at many events. Uh, you know, large, small conferences, summits, things, uh, you know, things like that. One of the questions I am frequently, uh, you could say, asked about or contacted about is, how does one start to get involved as far as speaking at these things? I do think there's a lot of people out in Web3 where they're trying to make their mark and they want to, you know, go to these things and speak and they want to be heard and provide, provide their opinion. My answer, and I think everybody's path is a little bit different. My answer was like, well, I think you have to put yourself out there. Whoever you are, you know, you can't be self-conscious and nobody's going to be perfect. And I don't think you should aim for perfection. But I do think what is going to distinguish you from 90% of people is, are you putting yourself out there? Are you putting skin in the game? Because listen, when you speak, whether it's you or me, listen, you're putting yourself in plain view for people to listen, but also critique, criticize, and perhaps even scold either you as a person or, you know, or what you're saying. So I don't, I didn't necessarily have like a magic, you know, the magic bullet kind of answer, but I will say from my experience, putting yourself out there is, listen, you're not going to know, let's say when you get that first bite, so to say, but I will say, as you do it, it is a near guarantee of, of reaching that goal, um, you know, consistently putting yourself out there. Because one of my sentiments is, is that, listen, this is a very novel, relatively new space. And there is a desire and need for credibility, you know, people who can comfortably speak, you know, both in, you know, kind of the broad things and, and the nuanced things. Mm -hmm. So... You know, that was the bit of advice I provided, but I kind of wanted to know uh, what was your experience, trajectory, or, you know, you could almost say path to, you know, let's say speaking in front of audiences and being considered, you know, as a credible individual who can discuss this. 
Well, interestingly enough, I, I've been speaking for quite some time. I'm not sure how I got into it. But when I first, you know, I, I, I first started my career, um, I did do a lot of speaking. We were encouraged to do, whether it was internal, right, uh, or external, and, and making presentations or pitches internally. You know, if you have to, if you're, uh, if you work for a large institution and you're trying to go to credit committee, you you got to have your ducks in a row, as they say, right? You got to have all your information. And so, you know, I think it started internally. Um, I was asked once to speak for the American Management Association on, on the business that I was in. And so, you know, I think that started, I didn't do it for a few years, you know, maybe when my kids were young and stuff, but um, in 20, you know, when I, I had always been speaking in the treasury area, cause that's really my expertise whether it's foreign exchange or liquidity, or, uh, you know, it, it, I, I had a lot of money service, many transmitted businesses and captive finance companies and asset managers. So I spoke a lot in that realm. Um, so it was an easy, kind of an easy transition for me to speak. I, I think I spoke at my first blockchain or spoke about blockchain first in 2018. And um, in Spain, I will remember it because, you know, I did a bunch of stuff for a year and a half and then everything fell apart. But um, so I think, you know, you're very right. Just getting out there and doing it and knowing that, you know, you will get criticized, right? Because there's always something that you, somebody doesn't like. And I think you just have to um, roll with the punches and just, you know, if you believe in it and I believed in it and I, felt that um, I really wanted people to be curious. You know, you don't have to be a programmer. You don't have to start a company, but you know what? This is going to impact you. Get curious because before you know it, the whole world's going to change. Now, if you're eight years old, the world, you know, you're growing up in this world. It's not yeah. that way. But if you, you know, if you have, if you've gone through sort of the history that I've gone through, most of my friends don't even care. They don't want, oh, that, you know, right. I don't need to know that. Well, guess what? It's going to hit and you're going to need to know it. As somebody, um, I'm going to steal this quote because I love it. It's an evolution until it's a revolution. It's an evolution. Like We're that. going through these little, you know, whether it's, you know, the internet, chat GPT, right? The web two, web three. Okay, all of a sudden we're going to hit a wall. And if you don't have you know, if you can't compete in this world, you're not going to be competing in this world, right? You're out of it. Right. And, you know, sometimes I feel out of it. I have my daughter here this weekend helping me with my, you know, stuff I don't know on my computer, right? How come right. this wasn't? Um, and, you know, I mean, I look at my, I have a niece who's eight, you know, she said, oh, I want a VR AR headset. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, she's embracing this technology and, um I, I think we need to be curious and move ahead and, and embrace all of this. And we need to just um, move forward in that direction. Right. And uh, the next question I'd like to ask, I'm a huge history nerd. So as you've, as you've been, you know, hitting these milestones, accomplishing these things, is there someone, is there a female leader, entrepreneur, you could say a uh, person of significance in history that let's say you've personally drawn, you know, inspiration from, you know, as you're, you know, as you're making your way, you know, throughout, throughout all this, you know, it, it well, could be in, you know, it could be in, you know, you could say classical history, it could be in modern history. Is there anybody that comes to mind? 
Well, I will say there is somebody that I quote, and that's Madeline Albright. You know, there's a okay. place in hell for women who don't support other women. That I think is very important. I mean, there've been a lot of women. I would say um, I've heard that quote. I didn't know that was from her, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yep. Um, but so I think that's really resonates with me. Uh, but also, I think there have been many women. Um, you know, I've I've read a lot of books about uh, women being successful. Uh, you know, whether it's women in crypto or women who, uh, you know, uh, you know, ha, ha, you know, creating companies, etc. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's somebody that was really inspirational. I know that that quote is very personal to me, but there's. Um, you know, I, I'm drawing a blank that that you got me off guard. Uh, I'll need to think a little bit about that. I think uh, there are some books I've read that I think there isn't one in particular, but that really are about overcoming obstacles. Right. You, you know, not you know, we all and this is, I think, why it resonated with, me with what Anthony Scaramucci said is that, you know, we all have some obstacle. We're, we're very you know, it's very like unlikely that, you know, you get to be 45, 50 years old and you haven't had something, sure. you know, that, that wasn't perfect happen, right? Um, it's it's the ability to get up and just wipe yourself off, right? And start over again. And that, I think that resilience, so many of the women uh, that I've read several books about, it's, it's overcoming that resilience. Um, that resonates very deeply with me, you know? Um, so I don't have a particular person. I would just say that there are so many books I've read about women who have overcome obstacles. They could be anything, you know, they could be, um, concentration camps, right. Uh, they could be, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, having businesses that fail, uh, right. you know, losing everything, you know, kind right. of, uh, that resonates with me in a very deep way. Very, uh, very well said. And I think the uh, Madeline Albright, you know, referencing quote, uh, I think that's a, that is a very, you know, very good example as somebody who is a person of a woman of significance and leader right. in, in modern history. So, you know, on a on a final note, how does the outlook of Web3 and blockchain look this year to you? You know, especially in light of you could say things like, you know, situation with Coinbase and Binance.us, because. My feeling is, is that for this to be successful, if we're talking about mass adoption, there has to be a very well calibrated mass message. And, and I think you and I know one of the biggest issues with Web3 decentralized finance is the messaging. It's still, um, it's still something that is greatly misunderstood and often mischaracterized. Yep. Well, and I mean, you know, I did a couple of podcasts that were, um, you know, FTX you know, after the oh sure the burn or whatever, right? Right. And people, everybody says crypto, crypto, crypto. No, <laughs> you know, I would disagree. You know, crypto was kind of off to the side. There was no governance. There was no board. Right. There was no regulation. There were 130 companies that were a complete quagmire. Now, you know, when you work in a financial institution like I have, there are 130 companies. Stop. We need to map out flows from right. here to every single. And then, you know, there was no, um, you know, um, 
delegation of duties. And by that, I mean, no separation of duties, right? By that, I mean, in the United States, right, you want to sell security, you need a broker dealer. I don't care if it's you and me starting a company or a billion dollar company, you need a broker dealer. There are rules. All right. So took advantage of some of those things that that is not crypto, right? That is so right there. I think there's a big message that has to be said. Um, And I think the Web3 blockchain, I actually think, and this is something that Commissioner Peirce said last week at the conference, uh, two things that I thought were really relevant. Look, we all know that the very large traditional finance companies are building Web3, you know, blockchain, digital tokenization, digital asset, right? They're building it right. in stealth mode. They are not talking about it. We know that. The other thing she said that I thought was extremely interesting is that the UK with Mika and some of the other regulatory environment has actually, you know, leapfrogged the United States in terms of creating a regulatory uh, framework. Oh, sure. Yeah. Especially Mika. Yeah. 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 And what she said is now that the UK is not part of the EU, doesn't it isn't it like the perfect opportunity for the US and the UK to kind of get together and sure. and build or share notes yeah and you know she's so logical and so you know pragmatic it was like oh she's right wouldn't yeah. isn't this the perfect time for us to work together you know so any event that i guess those are the things that i took away from last week and i think those are the things that uh we'll, we'll be seeing in the future i hope yeah, I have to say, I, I think those are, uh, you know, uh, excellent observations. And I think we're going to start seeing quite a bit more of that as, you know, the year unfolds. So, yeah. you know, Lynn, I just wanted to let you know, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the, sh- on the you. show. Your wealth of knowledge and experience is, you know, is, is invaluable. And, you know, like, uh, like the last time you were on my show, I always appreciate these insights from you. You know, both you. to say your observational firsthand experience and your analysis of all these, you know, big events. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the year unfolds with women in digital assets forums. And I'm looking to, you know, help out in any way I can. And of course, I'd love to have you back on the show, you know, in a few months as well. Thank you, Adam. Well, it's the same thing. It's a mutual admiration society. So thank you very much. I love what you're doing. And I love that you've, you. um, you know, really elevated your platform. And, you know, this is a, um, you know, we are all learning, which I think is the most exciting thing for all of us. And we're all learning together. And it's a great way, you know, to be a little bit vulnerable and like, oh, I'm learning from these people. And it really helps all of us. So um, I definitely will stay in touch. I'd love to come back and I'd love to have you at Women in Digital Asset Forum. So I'd let's love, keep I'd the love discussion to going. Absolutely. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you Lynn. so much. All right. Have, have a great, great week. Day. You too.